Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema for your free 30-day trial. Go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I am your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Bill Graham. Michael Snydell. Hello. And a special guest with us today to talk about book smarts, it's Allison Johnson. Hi. (laughs) How are you today? Good. Excellent. We got our pump-up music going, even as I'm fading it out. Uh, Allison, why don't you tell the fine folks at home a little bit about yourself uh, as a way means of introduction? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I am the film editor at theyoungfolks.com. Um, my writing can also be found at theplaylist.net and cambridgeday.com. Um, I'm a part of a couple boston-based organizations even though i'm on the outskirts of boston now and i'm more in the suburb area of massachusetts i don't know how much more i should go on about myself (laughs) i don't know you got any pets hopes and dreams that kind of thing (laughs) i do have a pet i do a rambunctious cat oh oh yeah (laughs) i know how those go um i don't know why but i was listening to our uh, jurassic world fallen kingdom episode the other week and I oh, forgot no. that during the playing of that trailer, my brand new kitten bit me on the foot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I'm uh, getting attacked. It was great. It was it was in the spirit of the cinema, really. Um. Anyway, moving mm-hmm. on. On the subject of pets, actually, I want to throw this to our listeners. Uh, my daughter and I got a snake today. And <sighs> I don't know what to call what? it. So I would love if our listeners would throw out some suggestions via Twitter as to what my daughter and I should name our snake. It is uh, black and gray, it is a male, and it is a corn snake. So shoot those at me, uh, at Brian J. Rowan on Voldemort. Twitter. Voldemort? No. Fuck no, Bill. You can go straight to hell with that suggestion. <laughs> oh, boy. Getting off on a good foot. Anyway, usual stuff. Uh, find us at Film Stage Show on Twitter, or The Film Stage Show on Facebook, email us podcastfilmstage.com, rate us on iTunes. Go to patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow to give us your money. Uh, be part of our Slack channel. Be part of the raffles that we do. And uh, help us to produce these uh, wonderful, fantastic episodes that y'all love listening to so much. Um, and yeah, patrons will be granted some level of priority in the naming of this snake. So another reason to subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> also, we are brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema, where every day their fantabulous curators bring you a brand new film to watch. The Cannes Film Festival is wrapping up, and thus so does the Cannes Takeover over at Mubi. Uh, yesterday they added four months, three weeks, and two days. Before that, Amores Peros from back in a time before everyone hated Alejandro Gonzalez and Ritu. <laughs> we didn't say that movies impregnated him back then, so, you know. <laughs> what? What did that, Bill? <laughs> Did he say that that movie impregnated him? 
No, he's not that said... one in particular. No. <laughs> okay, kind of I mean, I'm very about lost about one. this. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, Google uh, movie we, impregnated we Alejandro Gonzalez and Maritu to learn what we're talking about. <laughs> um, they've also got. Or don't. <laughs> what on earth would that That's return? Not... Safe search on. Oh, um, also, Harakiri, Safe Death of a Samurai by Takashi Miike is also on there, along with a bunch of other great stuff. Uh, to check out what they've got and to get a free 30 day subscription, go to mubi.com. Slash film stage again for a free 30 day trial subscription. Go to mubi.com slash film stage. And that is it for all the stuff up front. So good on us. Uh, it is now time <clears throat> to talk about Book Smart, a new comedy out in theaters now from director Olivia Wilde. This movie stars Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein, and it is the story of two young women who are academic high achievers in high school and realize that they've missed out on every other kind of experience they could have had. And so in one night, they decide they're going to pack in everything that they have missed thus far. Here is the trailer. Amy, you've been out for two years and you've never kissed a girl. I really don't know what I'm doing with all that stuff. I have a secret for you. I once tried to masturbate with an electric toothbrush, but I got a I wish that would have been a secret, but you've mentioned it many, many times. Hey. Oh, shit. Woo. Are we going to go to school or? No. What's two plus two? Isn't it crazy that it's the last? That's the school. Are you kidding me, Samantha? All right. So that is part of the trailer for Booksmart. It's out in theaters now in wide release. This is the feature directorial debut of Olivia Wilde. Uh, let's see what we thought of it. Uh, we'll begin again, as always, with our spoiler-free thoughts. Allison Johnson, what are your thoughts on Booksmart? I liked it a lot. Um, I I always love coming-of-age films that center on teenage girls because I just feel like there aren't enough of them. Um, and I don't know. I just I really enjoyed it. I really love watching. Beanie Feldstein's uh, career kind of flourish in the last couple of years. I think she's hilarious. And I like seeing uh, an actress turned director kind of come out strong with such an impressive debut. I mean, I was laughing hard the entire time. Um, and I don't know if like some of it was really specific humor that targeted me as somebody who was a teenage girl or if everybody laughed at the same things, but I, I really got a lot out of it and it made me excited to kind of follow all of the careers that we kind of saw take a bigger stance, I guess. All right. Bill Graham. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I didn't kind of have much hype going in. I had seen, I think like half of a trailer on one of my other screenings and, um, you know, Wild is definitely an actress that I've paid attention to throughout the years. I've always found her work at least somewhat interesting. Um, and I just didn't know what to expect with this. Uh, it is another kind of iteration of, uh, you know, the high schoolers kind of last ditch effort to either lose their virginity or just have like a rager kind of all mixed into one. And, uh, I was surprised by how, a, how funny it is because it genuinely is 
a lot of fun and hilarious at times. Um, and then also just how sweet and moving and interesting to know, like a different perspective. Um, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about how, so often we get the male dominated voice in so many of these movies now. And this one, it shows that it does have a different kind of perspective and a different feel. Uh, not only that the two protagonists obviously are female, but also just the way that it's kind of lens and the way that it's kind of, uh, uh, shown to us. So yeah, I really appreciated it and it's got a kick-ass soundtrack too. So big ups. All right, Michael Snydell. Yeah, you know, I, I had a I had a good time with this one. Um, I, you know, whatever familiar things there are, I, I do th- want to say the the one thing I, I guess that really sticks out to me, which I was surprised about, is is uh, how queer this is. Like, it's been a peg. It's been kind of a peg about this is how the first mainstream queer film, and that's that's not true. I mean, even we had like Blockers last year and stuff like that. But Didn't we have I do want to say, like. Yeah, no, Some I know, but especially time ago. Yeah, but it, I don't, I don't believe there were any lesbians in that. I can't remember. Oh, well, off you the just top said had. queer, so I was. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's fair. My point being, though, is that like I was surprised how much that was such a primary theme in, in this. And there were parts of this that even reminded me of like uh, Stephen Cohn, a filmmaker I really love, uh, like Henry Gamble's Birthday Party. So I just was surprised that the identity of these two women um was was just given was just given a lot of time and, and specificity and i think that uh some of the ensemble cast really works well i was really happy to see skylar gasando from uh santa clarita diet he gets a, a pretty sizable role here um that he gets to play with the uh which with the rich kid who wants to be friends with anybody and everybody. So I, I thought there was some good stuff here. I, I thought it was a little bit rough around the edges and at times. And I, I think it, 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 uh, some stuff didn't totally work for me, which we can get into spoilers, but, uh, I, I had a good time with this. Um, <clears throat> I too had a good time with this. Um, I think that I, so I saw no trailers for this. All I had to go on was random people saying like, it's like super bad, but with girls. And I was like, oh, that sounds Mm -hmm. fucking great. Like, but this is Mm -hmm. a much gentler, less raunchy, vulgar movie. Absolutely. Than super bad. Which is still pretty raunchy. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just desensitized. I don't know. I thought it was like, like, I think it's dangerous to say that. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I, I think I think it's a it's it's yeah, go ahead go ahead. Okay, sorry. well let's just yeah, like Superbad had a bunch of fucked up stuff in it. So like I think saying it's it's less raunchy than Superbad isn't isn't short shrifting this movie. It's still got some in there, which is good. I um I just I guess I was like oh wow this is like a lot sweeter and gentler than I was expecting. And this uh, this is to the film's credit though it causes a little bit of a lost attention, but everyone in this movie is just so nice and like accepting (laughs) and like kind. And there was a part of me that was like, I'm glad that we're not getting the archetypes of like the shitty people who just hate everyone. 
But this feels a little utopian in a way. But like in general, that that didn't work against my enjoyment. It was just like this weird thing that my brain was having trouble with. I was like, man, you know, L.A. is so much nicer than suburban Maryland was. Um, but in general, yeah, I, I had I had some fun with this movie. I think that most of my biggest laughs came from people who weren't the main characters, which is fine. But I almost wish that they had leaned in a little more to some of the weirdness that was on the edges of this movie. But I I uh, I had a good time at the movies. I, I enjoyed sitting there and watching this for like the hour and a half that it played. So also, kind of following up on your. Yes, she's awesome. Um, and she's been awesome since uh, short term 12. Um, but uh, on Brian's point, you know, this is a high school movie and I don't think anybody ever gets punched throughout this entire movie. And so that just kind of gives you a little bit of an insight into like, yeah, everybody's fucking nice in this movie. <laughs> the people that you're like supposed to hate are like just, eh, you know, whatever, man. I have like unseen and, uh, depths and things like that as well. Yeah, there's not mm-hmm. like a single oh. like villainous person in this whole high school. They're all they're all like their own specific level of weird, but like there's no enemies to overcome, there's no mocking to really get over. Um it's yeah. uh so it was weird it was just weird because I had to like mentally negotiate with myself, being like, <laughs> Okay, you just have to like be down with this and the fact that like we're skipping a lot of the stuff that you're expecting and it's going to be a little less outside tension and a lot more interpersonal tension just between these two. Mm. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's where I'm at. I don't know. B minus. <laughs> <laughs> I never know how to end a statement when like I'm talking about a movie that I don't have incredibly strong feelings about because I feel like I'm going to leave a lot of people confused. So I always just end up pulling a letter out of my ass. Allison, did you have any feelings about how kind everyone was? I I really liked it actually. I felt it felt more modern than I feel like a lot of other kind of your typical high school films do, which I feel like play on those tropes of, you know, jocks and bullies and every kind of archetype that comes along with any kind of high school film. Um, this felt much more representative of like what I feel like I see with teens today. Are they still obnoxious in their own right? Yes. But are they also growing up in a world that like is making it more accepting to be accepting of others in a sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, so I just, I, I found it really refreshing just because I was like, you know what, that's not so far from the truth. Um, and I think it makes it more of an interesting film if the main conflict is the conflict that they kind of created for themselves. Like, I think the interesting interesting thing is that it's actually, I feel Molly comes off as one of the worst characters in the film mm-hmm. because she's judging <laughs> everybody for things for her own moral high ground. And yeah. I think as a teenager, you kind of set your own moral high grounds to like impossible degrees for other people to live up to. And I think that's what makes it so interesting. I don't think it's an amazing film. I think it's really good. And I really enjoyed it. But I definitely appreciated the fact that it went out of its way to kind of feel very now. Um, I am um, mm-hmm. 
I, I've only talked with like maybe one high schooler in the past like three years. <laughs> um, that's, that's acceptable, Brian. <laughs> yeah. Like even, like even this is where I'm at. Like even the members of my family like are all out of high school. So I'm going to wait for like Same. my sister's children to like grow up more. See, you know? I have, I have a sister who's 11. There's a bit of an age gap. So I have that kind of right before the cusp of being a teenager. So I'm starting to see kind of how she's just nicer <laughs> um, or like less judgmental than maybe I was at that age. Um, just because that's what you're taught. It's just, you are particular and you, I don't know, maybe I was just an asshole, but I see, that's see what how I'm she worried is. about. I know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't have like a, this huge pool of reference, but from what I do see, I just feel like this, Maybe it's a little too idealistic, but I'd rather that, I guess, than the same patterns of, you know, it's everybody against the two lead characters Mm -hmm. and they're kind of trying Mm -hmm. to, you know, succeed in spite of them. I think it's more interesting when their main conflict. I I 100 percent agree. It's it's more interesting to not have like the snowboarding jock that's like trying to destroy the rec center or whatever. Um (laughs) But or a know, carry it, moment. Like I really thought a carry moment was gonna come yeah, <laughs> near like, the end they, of this movie. <laughs> you, like you know, not not to like tip our hand into spoilers. And with yeah. a, with a comedy and a movie like this, I, I, spoilers is a very ethereal idea because a <laughs> sure. lot of the laughs are still gonna be there even if you know exactly where it ends. But like, there is a moment where I'm like, everyone's too fucking nice. This is a setup. You gotta get out. <laughs> and that's just my weird jaded Run. brain. Um, and. So the the people that I've spoken to who are either like freshly out of high school or are in high school are like, it's still a goddamn jungle. They just won't make fun of you for the stuff that you got made fun of. They've like had to invent whole new things because they've <laughs> sure, like, sure. you know, back in my day, uh, a, a guy could slap oh your boy. books out of your hand and call you a slur for a homosexual, right? You can't do that anymore. So you've got to be extra creative, <laughs> About how you destroy someone's life. Um, but there was a moment where I was watching this movie and I was like, they must be at a private art school or something. Like, this is <laughs> like the kids are too well dressed and everyone's too hip and everyone is talking about like Shakespeare in the park ing lot. And I was just like, There's mm-hmm. this, but it appears to be a public school. So I don't know. But I, I do. And this is a little, oh. Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> Just a little thing, not to like gripe on the details. The being well too well-dressed thing is something that I feel like is accurate. And I think it's because of Instagram. <laughs> I think people are too aware of like oh, wow. how they look best now. And I think that's frustrating because they are mm-hmm. not wading through like the really, really awkward years of being a teenager where you dress so badly just because you don't know how bad you look. Yeah, and now everybody has like mm-hmm. this instant gratification of knowing they look nice so that, i don't think that's far off but it that's is something the that funny thing me. though is like i can see that they are attempting to dress nice but i still thought most of their outfits were like ridiculous but again i just third ter- turned 32 last week so i am woefully out of touch with everything and um everybody was in like thrift store retro which i kind of like loved to be yeah honest. it was an aesthetic i liked it it was cool i will say that there was a point where i was watching this movie and I just like my brain just like tapped me on the shoulder and was like, "Hey, is everyone in this movie rocking like a shit ton of necklaces?" <laughs> <laughs> and 
And I just like couldn't stop looking at that for the rest of the movie. But again, these aren't things that like ruin my enjoyment or anything. They're just little things that I noticed. And like aspects of the movie that at some point, at a certain point, like the pure niceness and the fact that these primary characters were throwing up their own roadblocks became my favorite thing about the movie. Like the inciting incident of the movie is after watching these two girls like shit on everyone else and sort of lord their achievements over everything one of them hears in the like gender neutral bathroom a group of people talking about her and how terrible she is on a human level like it 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 was actually again super refreshing because they weren't like making fun of her for how she like appears like her physical appearance or anything they were just like yes because at, at one point i think someone says she's a butter personality yeah, yeah. butterface personality <laughs> she's a, she's a butter, yeah. if i could put a paper like, bag wow. over her personality and i was like holy shit like again it that just feels so much harsher than being like well he's ugly it's like well you know aesthetics are in the eye of the beholder whatever like someone's gonna love me someday but if someone says your personality is terrible <laughs> Yeah. that's just rough and so when i heard that and then she comes out and she's like well i'm going to yale and then this other girl's like so am i and this other guy's Ooh, going I'm- to google and it's just yeah. <laughs> that i loved watching her get slapped with that realization and sort of getting grounded in that way and i was happy to see that that was that going was- to be the point of the movie that was the moment where i was totally on this movie's side yeah, when when that moment happened, I re- and like and then the next scene is just them celebrating in the hallway and I was just like, wow, this movie has a certain edge to it of just like, yeah, we're not going to play the easy game of her being like, well, I studied all the time, so you sure. dickheads didn't like, you know, do shit right and they're just like no, we're going to be successful too. Like we just, and like, I think one of, one of her like enemies, uh, I think her name ends up being Annabelle. Um, she's like, no, we studied. We just didn't only study. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, Oh, Oh shit. Okay. I see what this movie's kind of like, you know, this movie is basically saying like, don't, don't just like bury yourself inside books and shit like that go go live your life and then you know hopefully you still have time to go get other shit done so you know and high school is just kind of a a bewildering like jungle anyways because a lot of people just don't see it as much of an ends except to get to college and so you know there's going to be a lot of people that just kind of uh bypass it and just kind of shrug it off um but i did want to mention one thing really quick and uh that is my absolute adoration for billy lord now um i had no idea that she was so damn funny and i i my girlfriend had told me that she was in a show called scream queens with uh oh name right that's now. right Murphy um but Mm-hmm. And that she was actually pretty good and pretty funny in that as well. Um, but I had only ever seen Billy in her like brief fucking cameos in Star Wars. And now I'm just like really mystified why they didn't let her have a little bit more fun in those movies, considering like Carrie Fisher is who Carrie Fisher is. I'm I'm just shocked that they couldn't like 
wheeled her into the story more. And so not that like a comic relief necessarily uh, fits all that well, um, you know, just kind of by themselves. But I don't know, like, let her have some fun because she's fucking funny. Like, Jesus. If so, I if I could yeah. have a wish, it would be that I would get a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern <laughs> style like sidequel to this movie that is only Gigi all the time. <laughs> Because every time she, she like, so there was a guy sitting next to me in the theater that all she had to do was show up and he just started cackling like a madman. <laughs> like he was, and I was kind of on his side because I was like, all right, like the movie's getting a little draggy. Some of the jokes haven't landed. Oh, snap. Look who's here. It's Gigi. The next mm-hmm. like five mm-hmm. seconds are going to be amazing. And that's, that's Allison <laughs> Jones for you. Uh, oh, did you know that that casting agent? wizard who's you know mm-hmm. like i feel like she's defined where hollywood has gone in the last uh 20 years <laughs> from freaks and geeks to to this it's it's kind of incredible and and Gigi typifies kind of what i was talking about when i was saying that like this movie is a little like more straight and narrow and tame than i was expecting and I kind of loved how Gigi was this weird demon fluttering <laughs> over everyone and like prepared uh-huh. to dose people with what appeared to be. Oh, wait, she said it was some kind of ayahuasca and like. No, it's know, Asian waska. <laughs> yeah. And like Asian playing the waska. piano and like starfishing into a pool. Like every time that she was on the screen, I was like, why is she the only one bringing this? Like we need every. We like. I, I kind of wanted an escalating series of madness like it 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 once felt too too stylized and highbrow but also like not not committing hard enough to that i i don't even i don't even i don't even know if what i just said makes sense um i just wanted more madness i wanted i wanted more craziness i wanted it to feel almost like these people were trapped in like a carnival hellscape that is high school (coughs) Mm-hmm. that's just yeah. me i don't know if anyone else felt that well I, I don't know if i necessarily wanted it to be more chaotic or anything i just uh it definitely gets a little bit reflective in, in the middle and it's not that i don't think those parts aren't um aren't successful uh, I, you know, one part i think mm-hmm. is particularly successful which i want to talk about in spoilers but uh but i, I still think that does feel a little bit at at odds with the tone i you know it's just like it's just a a sense i I think i wanted this to feel a little more fluid than it does and it feels like it's kind of changing gears which is something you know that happens sometimes with comedies when it's going back and forth between drama and and comedy and it's not the performance's fault at all but just some of the rhythms were just uh just a a little off for me if that makes any sense Hmm. Allison, did you feel anything like that or? Yeah, um, kind of. I was trying to think of the way that I would put it because I feel like I'm struggling with exactly what went wrong with the tone for me too. I, I don't know if maybe it ended up feeling like anticlimactic because it started hitting those beats early um, or it started like setting in kind of the rift between the friends too early or got reflective too early. I'm not, I'm not totally sure, but I do feel like there was a tonal shift that didn't completely work. Um, that ended up kind of stalling things, I guess, towards the end before they all got 
wrapped up nicely. But yeah, I, I, it didn't bother me maybe as much as it bothered some of you, but I definitely noticed it. That's yeah, like, my vague response. I'm sorry. No, not, not <laughs> it seems like we're all having trouble, like really pinning this down. But like, so for me, for instance, like when they show up at that murder mystery party, I was like, this is a setup that is crying out for some crazy hijinks. And it sort of cuts out early. And the main thing that happens there is not related at all to the murder mystery party. And I just, I uh-huh. felt, it, it felt like that was just a weird diversion for it to take to not really make any hay out of that. And to, to give us this insight into this group of people who are being like really committing to this fucking murder party. And then to just kind of remove the people from it, it it, it was just strange. And it felt like it was. That kid's like, really good, too, at the murder the, mystery party. That Noah duo. Galvin? Yes. I was just about to mention him. Yeah. I had never seen him before, but yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's great. He was making me laugh from the start. There's a scene at the start um, where he, I don't know if it's like he hisses or growls <laughs> at Molly that had oh, me crying yes. from laughing yeah. so hard because I just didn't expect it. But I think that kind of relates back to what you were saying earlier about how the world outside of the two lead characters felt so weird because of the characters, like the supporting characters, that when you go to the murder mystery party, you're like, but wait, can we just pause and watch some of this because it's so <laughs> strange that like high schoolers would be so committed to doing this. Um, so that I feel like it's almost like the, the two lead characters were so wholesome in their relationship and it's so reflective and sweet, even though they get up to like some really weird hijinks and whatever, but then everything else going on around them is so bizarre to be happening for high schoolers in my mind, at least. But you know, again, maybe I just lived a really straightforward life in high school, but I just, it's almost like the movie could have spent more time without the leads. And maybe that's what caused some of the tonal weirdness, strangeness, I guess. It I don't know if feels, that makes sense, but it, it, it really does because like, it, it just feels like they should be forced to adapt to the situations more. Um, like the, the boat, which is empty has really no one for them to play off of. Wait, should we for, jump into should we jump into spoilers just just completely uh, at this point? Yeah, I guess so. Why not? Just so we can yeah. Yeah, so we're in spoilers now. Um but and so they get to the murder mystery party and I was like, this is gonna be like a really funny, like, I don't know, ten to fifteen minutes where like everyone here is so goddamn committed that they have to like pretend to be what was it, an orthodontist and a farm girl? An, a barren <laughs> orthodontist. Oh yes, she's barren. <laughs> Which is a weird character detail. Yes. But it, it just sort of funny because, like, I feel like in in a movie like this with these side characters being so heightened, like, because there was a part of me that at first was like, for a movie that has, you know, a, a, a lesbian character in the lead, these two young men are weirdly overly coded as being, like, I don't know, effeminate theater no homosexuals it felt kind of strange but then when i realized that everyone in the movie except for them was blown out stereotype material i was fine with it it just it's just weird that like they're not forced to have to adjust their personalities in order to (laughs) to, like get with these people who've clearly created their own hierarchies outside of the school 
I don't know. Like, yeah. it, it's huh. just, it's such a weird, like, it feels like that should be, like, the arc. And it was almost pushing towards that, you know? Like, you go to the weird dumb party boat, and then you go to the weird, <laughs> very committed to, uh, like, murder mystery party. And then you go to, like, the raucous party where everyone's kind of free to, like, just express themselves however they are. So but so you gotta was, play the game at the other places is what you're implying i'm sorry could you say that again i missed the first that, part. that you have to play the game at the other places before nick's or before nick's party is that yeah. what you're implying there almost like you know these are two young women who have clearly like just devoted themselves to the academia themselves. part of high school but have never found yeah. anything outside of themselves and like maybe the weird places they go to help to unlock certain parts of their personalities they didn't even know existed. And so by the time they get to the next party, like then they've grown apart a little bit and they need to rediscover each other. So you've basically had like the story of a friendship entering high school and leaving high school when you become friends again, because you realize nothing matters all hmm. over the course of one night. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, we can say too. I mean, do you, did you guys like the animated uh, interlude. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it was as funny as they thought it was. I okay, yes, I, okay, sure. I think they, I think they spent too much time on it. I thought the cutaway afterwards, when yes. you see them walking, was by far funnier than the actual animated portion. Was legitimately expecting them yes. to walk down naked. I, I did. I expected that too, and I was like, "I'm going to feel deeply uncomfortable about this." <sighs> um, I feel like, what's weird to me is that I felt like the animation was really bad, um, and I think that that removed some of my investment in good. it. I'm sorry, Bill. What was that? I said I don't think it was supposed to be all that good, though. But I understand what you're saying. Like, yeah, I don't know. But, but I found it to be like it would probably would have been a funny sight gag, but like to keep it going for like a whole thing struck me as difficult to handle. And I'm glad I'm not the only one. Especially when there was a murder mystery dinner they could have been partaking in downstairs. Exactly, man. Sure. That's sure. what I'm talking sure. about. I need her to walk around as a barren orthodontist and the other one to have to like because okay, that would also have been such a great cause I don't know if you guys know this, but like Caitlin Deaver I first saw her on Justified, where she played a girl named Loretta, and she's got, like, real Appalachian, you know, accent, and I think she was in, what is it? It's Them That Follow, which is another movie yeah. about, like, Appalachian snake handlers or something, and so I think it would have just been funny to trade off of that by making her, like, a farm girl, where she just basically has to affect the country accent that she's had for, like, two other big roles of hers. <laughs> Yeah, she could have done that very easily. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Like it's weird because at the as I'm saying all this during the movie, I'm still laughing at parts. Like I'm still yeah, having a good sure. time. I'm still interested to see where this goes. But at, at the same time, I'm just like, man, it feels like there's so many missed opportunities here. And I, it's hard to say that because the movie's clearly doing what it wants to do. Sure. And I feel bad trying to convince it that it should do something else. <laughs> I think as far as if we want to go over the arc, I, I don't mean to dissect this thing. I actually like this thing, but I just, I really find a lot of this fringe color we're talking about really interesting. Like, I think it's really strange, for instance, that they get two different rides, that it's not just one different ride. And I think the pizza gag is, is, is pretty decent, but like, 
and I think there's the the good porn gag in in the <laughs> Uber with the principal, but like. <laughs> But also, also there's oh. Jessica Williams who has clothes for them and who like has a relatively interesting story. But it also just – I was a little bit confused why it felt it needed all of that stuff. Like why it didn't pick mm-hmm. maybe two or, or one. And the last thing I want to say is cut up Jessica Williams. That's not what I mean. But it's still I, – I, I think it goes back to that idea that you feel like you have such – you already have such fertile areas, like three different parties that we go to, and at least one of them, nothing really happens. Um, so it it is a little bit weird that we spend time on things like Uber and getting from place to place. And even though it makes sense that they're trying to find the address, like that was like oddly unsatisfying to me. I am. Um... I have a question that's mm. going to come off as real nitpicky, but I need—I just need to put it out there. Do we? Oh no! Do we know what happened to Caitlin Deaver's car that she wasn't allowed to drive it at night? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Because she she picks yeah. up Molly. Yeah. I don't know. Amy picks up Molly. Mm-hmm. They drive in the car. They drive in the car again. At the end of the movie, they're back in the car. Were they like being responsible and assuming that they were going to drink that night and didn't want to drive the car, or like why didn't where where did her her Volvo station wagon that's, go? That's a good question. And that's again, a very good question. I know maybe, maybe it's, it's one of her parents, but she gives it to Molly, so like she can't just gift her parents' car to, and she the, the bumper stickers oh, on it are right. clearly yeah, hers. Yeah. I am again. That's true. This is I'm no way trying to like tear down the movie or anything. I just need to know if there was an in-movie explanation. And if there's not, I will let it go forever. I don't think there is an in-movie explanation. Okay. But I also really had to think hard to remember like why it would have even been something to pick up on. So just because like them getting rides was such a big thing and i was just like yeah. you you got a car man like just use your car why are you where'd you gotta why you gotta get a lift well <laughs> i think the original reason for them getting a lift was to figure out where the party was and sure. so that's that's their original ploy was okay but i know someone that will probably know right and right, so and that kind of strands them once they're yeah exactly and then okay. once they're away from their car obviously they can't go get their car now correct okay but, i'm willing yeah. to accept that let's just take that as canon i just like i said i just needed to ask no Allison, welcome to the podcast <laughs> i give myself a pass because i'm not saying this movie's so stupid it forgot they had a car i was just curious <laughs> i needed to know <sighs> Okay, uh, well, let's let's move to the actual party. Uh, the moment I really wanted to mention where I think – I think there's two things that are uh, pretty interesting. One is where Caitlin Devers' uh, character, Amy, is swimming through the pool, um, you know, with, with Ryan. I, I think that's something that feels a lot more reflective. That was one. And then I think that their fight uh, probably has – the most interesting like shot of the entire movie like at first i was kind of bothered that we were doing this extreme close-up that like woozily goes back and forth between the two but i realized that like that unpleasant feeling (laughs) it gave me some of the like 
was the most emotional part of the movie for me. And so it was weird seeing those two scenes almost coming right after each other. And they feel a lot more, um, a lot more directed, a lot less like there's incidents happening. Um, so I, I almost wish like the movie went more in that direction, but then again, I do also find chaos extremely funny. So I, I, I just wonder whether you guys had any thoughts about the the fight or um, a- Amy discovering that Ryan is not, in fact, a lesbian or bi or anything. Um, I do agree that those two sequences were probably the most interestingly directed. Uh, I really liked the fight. I liked that it was kind of this folly of, you know, really close up on one face and then the other, because that's what fights with friends feels like. It's like, it doesn't matter where you are. If it's just between the two of you, it just becomes that it just becomes very insular. So I really liked that. And especially because I feel like fights with close friends can get so nasty so quick because you just know how to probe and how to really, you know, pick at that scab that somebody's insecure about especially as teenage girls (laughs) and so i i really liked that scene but i also like it when comedies can kind of balance more dramatic moments without losing sight of or losing that sense of chaos so i don't think that scene derailed it and yeah i i don't know i really liked it and i definitely i thought the pool scene was maybe the most i was affected emotionally because it's it's almost like you felt her embarrassment, even though you she shouldn't be embarrassed <laughs> because it's not like she's sure. or anything. But you just get that like, oh, you're so <laughs> disappointed and hurt for her in that moment because mm. she just had a sense of freedom that was just snatched away from yeah. her really quick. So I loved those sequences. I think that party probably had the most interesting scenes. Yeah, I thought that um, I really liked the pool sequence, especially because the it was good visual storytelling to have already established all of the tattoos on Ryan. Oh yeah. So that you can then in that pool sequence, see that body sans head with all those tattoos and be with her in that moment where she's like, Oh no, I know that like female tattooed body. And there's just like a man's body that she's very close to. And so now like, and, and so her surfacing is like her having to commit to knowing Make that reality. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I really like that. Um, I thought that was like really, really smart, fantastic work there. And, um, the fight, I was fine with it in theory. I don't know. And maybe I just have to watch the movie again. I don't know if it tracks with what I know about the characters from watching this film. Um, what do you mean? I, I don't know. Like, cause, cause we see Molly force Amy to do this whole night. And I get that, but I just like that. I don't know if we've established enough that like, that's their dynamic all the time. Does that make any sense? I mean, we like have the, to we have to give them that that opportunity to make that as like it's one night, you know? Right, it's like we one only day. have so, one night to do this. So like I get that. I just I guess I wish I felt 
because they they felt very evenly balanced through most of the movie except for when molly was like no i still want to get to nick's party and so i guess maybe like if there'd been one or two more things that she had kind of bullied amy into or something i don't know like or or they just had like made them a little more antagonistic but then you wouldn't have really been on their side so i don't know how to do that but it just there was a moment during it where i was like i will take on faith that everything that they're saying is true about their friendship i just wish that i had seen a little more of it see i guess i didn't see it as her actually calling her a bully i know that's what she actually said but i (laughs) i know that molly I thought she was presented as being the more abrasive one. I found it more of a thing that you would say to somebody during a fight, like a low blow. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't think it was anything that, you know, the foundation of their friendship is based on one kind of manipulating the other or bullying the other into doing something. I just thought it made sense as a fight to kind of take a personality trait, like Molly being abrasive and assertive and blowing it out to her being a bully against Amy, because I do agree. We didn't see throughout the film that they were kind of unevenly matched. It did seem more like a give and take in terms of friendship. Um, But maybe I'm really projecting, (laughs) but I, I definitely thought it was more just of a kind of demonstration of how a fight can really unravel really quick if you let yourself get too heated yeah because amy is definitely like a go along to get along kind of reserved you know doesn't seem to lord her (laughs) academic achievements in the way that molly at least feels like she should be able to and so Mm -hmm. if they had if they had like harped on that like you know you're a you're a doormat well you're a confrontational I don't know, egotist or something. But the fact that they made it about like their whole dynamic and the way that they like explore decision making and stuff. But like that's a small layer of what otherwise I found to be aesthetically like a well-directed, well-acted moment in the film. I kind of love that the last word from uh, from Molly as well is fuck you. And <laughs> that fuck you is just like you know, it's not like any fuck you. It just it's hangs the fuck there. Fuck you at the end of a fight. Like that's that's mm-hmm. a big fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, mm-hmm. the other thing related to that that's a little bit uh, that's again an interesting choice, but also a little bit representative of just like it's hard to make a movie is having then the. Um, you know, Amy's moment with uh, Amy's moment with Hope with, Di- with Diana Silver's character in the bathroom, and I-, I think it's really odd that it ends with the throw up. Like that's that felt like a really weird, abrupt way to like bring it to swing us back to comedy a little bit. Um, it did feel like I don't the know film if I found it funny. Kinda- yeah, no, uh, it did feel like the film pulling a punch there for for me at least. I thought, um, and maybe it's because this film doesn't actually have any nudity and things like that, um, typical of the high school movie. Um, but yeah, I, I I felt like it was a it, it led up to it and it it played so open about like being okay with with uh 
you know, uh, bisexuality and all of this other stuff. That's and a then here it is. Yeah, here, here is, here's this moment. And then we, wh- what does she even drink? She drinks like a spit cup. <laughs> so it almost looks it, like. It looks like, like a spit cup or. That's, that's I was wondering that too. <laughs> or that the girl, um, fringe jacket. What does she have a name? She must have Hope. a name, right? Hope. I'm talking about Hope. Okay. I had trouble with some of the names in this movie. Um, and there was a point where a character showed up and I, for like a good two minutes, thought that it was a different character as they were having like this cathartic are you, final are conversation. You is it an ashtray? Is that what you're thinking it is? I think it's an ashtray. I think that Hope was like, it, it looked, because I've been to parties and stuff where like, it's like, hey guys, like blue solo cups for your butts. And like, if you ash mm-hmm. into it and then <laughs> throw your cigarette butt in it, because you don't want to like catch something on fire, it'll turn that shit color of brown real fast. Mm-hmm. But like, she must have like smoked like a pack of cigarettes in that bathroom or that bathroom was noted as like the smoking area. Oh, my stomach is turning thinking about this. <laughs> Though why couldn't you just smoke outside, I wonder? It doesn't really matter, but it was definitely... She pulls a cigarette butt out of her mouth. And then she throws it. Allison, I'm sorry. You were saying that... Uh, you were saying that you think it's... I, I don't mean that it's a comedic... Like, it's obviously a very sad moment as it was oh, I, you know, the first time that she's getting to, to be a, with a woman. But I, I just meant that... Um, I don't know. Like it, it, it's just like those three moments all together feel like very dramatic moments to me. And then it's like we got to go back to comedy. Now. I, I didn't even mean that moment. I meant the moment where she vomits after having the sip of the uh, ashtray water. I thought that, but that was just me. I don't know. I get real secondhand embarrassment watching films, even I know they're fictional, but I do. So for me, I was like, oh, that's such a letdown. But so I thought that was like a sad moment. It was like, how can she get to a lower point than she already is? Oh, she can vomit in front of the girl she was just trying to hook up with. That's it. So, yeah, yeah no, I mean, I didn't think you were laughing off the scene between her and hope. Um, but I did, I, maybe I'm just, I don't know. I, did you dislike the scene between them in general, or was it just kind of the, again, shifting from a dramatic tone to a comedic tone? Because I thought the scene where they were kind of fumbling and trying to, you know, have this moment together was really well done and realistically awkward. Yeah, no, I, I thought that was great. Uh, like when I was mentioning Stephen Cohn earlier, that was reminding me yeah. a, a lot a lot of him. So, no, I th- I think that seems great. That, that's see, that's that's why like you can also ignore everything I'm saying because the three scenes where I'm like this changes the tone are probably my three favorite scenes in the movie. So like it's I I don't know. Those are the ones that are sticking with me. You yeah. Know? So again, like I. I, I like the comedy stuff a lot. It's just when I look at it as a whole, it's just, you know, it's it's those things that seem a little out of place that I start being really pedantic about. <laughs> My issue, if you can call it that with that scene, is that I don't know that I know enough about Hope to know how to feel about them hooking up and then her giving her her number at the end. We get like one scene previous to that, like, right? At the like beginning in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah. No, I was totally thinking it would end up being Gigi. That's what I thought. I, <laughs> I, like, I really thought that's what they were telegraphing it to be. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. You know, that's yeah. kind of a fun development for a character that you wouldn't expect to be 
the lo- potential love interest of the lead because like you said she's just this you know kind of otherworldly thing uh flighty and bopping between different parties that she doesn't really seem like a real character but she was the funniest character so i thought that would have been a much more interesting way to kind of end that storyline but when hope came back on i was like who right like that's why i had to give her that fringe jacket because i was like oh right fringe jacket i remember you from the first scene where you were mean to her oh she's the only mean character Right, and, but I don't feel like I don't know. I don't know that like we ever grow to understand truly why she was mean, or to know how it has been overcome. Now, I was really hope I, you know, I, I'm a shipper. I was shipping Gigi and Amy, um, <laughs> especially when Jared was talking about how Gigi was like had a lot of like pain in her, and like mm-hmm. you know, they they really like gave her and him and their relationship together like a lot of depth and humanity in that moment. And so I was sort of thinking like, wouldn't it be weird if these two side characters who are like the most obviously comedic constructs suddenly now shift to be more fully human characters. And then they become the love interests of both of these other characters Mm. that we've been following and like sort of realizing the codependency of each relationship and realizing that that's like trained them to be a good partner for this other person. But then hope swings in on a fringe jacket. (laughs) Book smart too. (laughs) I I definitely think out of all the little loopholes or what are, you know, kind of fallen plot points of the film, the hope part was definitely the one thing where I was like, really? Was just because again, it just didn't feel natural at all, and I wanted Amy to kind of get that moment at the end. I just didn't think it was going to be with this character who we didn't see at any other stop along the way. Yeah. When we kind of got reintroduced to everybody we had already met up until then, um, and it's also weird because Hope doesn't get one of those. The the movie begins tonally and stylistically very different from where it ends. Like the first 10 minutes, we're getting a lot of like weird little cut ins and like slow motion stylized yeah. stuff that the it, it seems to like realize it cannot do for the rest of the movie or it'll get exhausting. Um, and Nick gets one and then Jared and Gigi get one. And so I'm like, okay, these are the people I have to remember. I don't think that Hope gets one. <laughs> so she no. left my brain. But Triple A even gets one. And she only again shows up like at the end of the movie. She gets yeah, a, she gets a couple good like good scenes where you. Oh wait, Triple A was in the bathroom, wasn't she? Yeah. Yes. Okay. See, this is another issue that I had with the movie. I kept confusing Gigi and Triple A. <laughs> Do you freeze oh, one, Brian? <laughs> I might for you know dirty blonde high school looking girls in a high school movie. I don't know. You know, I yeah. suppose it's good. I, I was, <laughs> I was giving them, getting them a little mix. I'll, I'll admit to that. I think it's also like Gigi's outfit keeps changing, like because she keeps randomly appearing other places. So, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I don't, I can't think of a better example of this. Jean Parmesan in like Arrested Development, where I guess every character for a split second, I was like, oh Christ, is that Gigi again? <laughs> <laughs> 
Ryan just that, rips off a mask in his GG suddenly. That is a good rounding joke, though, that she beats them every time to each yeah. new party. <laughs> How did you get here? How are you dry? Like, <laughs> no, and um, but yeah, it was it was. What was I going to say? So like when 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 AAA picks her up, and I'm only calling her that because I can't remember the name they find in the movie, and she is credited as AAA. Yeah, I think it's Annabelle. Yes, it is Annabelle. Um, mm-hmm. What was I going to say then? Yeah, when she first picked her up, I was like, and 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 uh, Molly actually says like, no, and I was like, right, don't like. First of all, how did Gigi get a car? Second of all, don't get in the car with Gigi. <laughs> and then the girl suddenly starts talking about her name and like AAA and everything, and I was like, oh fuck, that's right, you're a completely different person. <laughs> I blame Gigi. <laughs> but that is, I think that again speaks to uh, that character, uh, even though, uh, you know, if you can actually recognize who it is, it speaks again to like, there are obviously depths beyond what you see on the, on the surface, uh, which is something I, I really like about edge of 17 as well, which I, I see a few similarities, obviously not the same thing, but um, that's another movie where, you know, like the main character is her own worst enemy yeah. in many of these cases. And um, so it is I do really appreciate that they take the time with at least, you know, three or four of the main characters to be like, no, let's let's change this completely. I, and I, for the most part, don't think that's too neat, which I think is often a problem with stuff like this is that no one can have an edge because these characters still do have an edge. The only issue with my perfect plan for the restructuring of this movie is um, (laughs) that I feel like every party you would have to have one character who you like learn has a hidden depth and that would get very old very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, But this movie does a good job. Like I love, like I love that they basically fold Gigi's depths into Jared's depths yeah and that jared's like i love airplanes and musicals and molly rightly is saying what (laughs) yeah i want to become rich off designing airplanes and then i want to like fund some new musicals because all these revivals are getting old no one could ever predict that combination of things it literally makes no sense but i love that it's part of his character also michael thank you for saying that he's from santa clarita diet because i was racking my brain in this movie Oh, it got canceled. But I know. I'm going to be sad. I'm so upset. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I do anyone... just want to say I love the Molly uh, with Triple uh, A as well. I love that her joke is like, "Where the fuck do you live?" <laughs> like, like they're having a heart to heart in the middle. She's like, "No, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done with this." There was like, I don't remember what movie it is, but like, there's a part where someone gets into a cab, and it's like you know the the rain is pouring and they've just had a breakup or something. And they say, like, you know, the cabbie's like, where are you going? And it's like, take me home. And the cabbie just turns around and says, I don't know where the fuck you live. <laughs> <laughs> and just, like, that, like, any moment in a movie where, like, someone driving just suddenly shouts, like, you know, I don't know where you live. Or, like, I don't know that place. Like, you got to give me an address. <laughs> I'm an easy lay for that kind of joke. Don't That's know good why. Stuff. Anyone yeah. have an issue with a, the teacher sleeping with one of the students, even though he yeah. had been... 20 it's 20 yes. i yeah no i uh, uh. i i well we I, don't we don't exactly know how old she is either she and says, she definitely she was a teacher. 
Yeah, still, uh-huh. even though he's graduating. <laughs> She's yeah, still no, his I'm teacher. Not, I'm not saying, like, this is okay. I'm just saying we still don't know, like, her age. So well, she can still be, like, 25. Well, that doesn't fucking matter, Okay. I mean, okay. I just thought it's, it was weird it, I, because for the rest of the film, it's so, like, staunchly progressive in a way that I love. So to have that happen, and yes, he's 20 and she's young. She's still a teacher, so to me, it's weird. She's um, ish, but she talks about her twenties as though like they are living past. her life. <laughs> so I just uh, I, that's I, true. That's true. To make, yeah. To make the joke out of it, it just seems like it went against some of the other things that they had set up in the film. So I just don't know if it was kind of an easy gag, or it's like we have Jessica Williams, we have to use her. Let's give right, her a, sub, a subplot because like you she, can't waste Jessica Williams if she's in your movie, but. I thought it just it didn't really make sense with the rest of the film. No, I was I was deep because she she makes the joke like I'll see you inside, and then there's an awkward pause, and she's like, "Oh my god, no! Like I'm not going to do that. Are you kidding?" And I thought, "Oh good, but the movie knows that's is... what we're expecting and is not going to do it." And then she walks inside, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Yeah, no, don't yeah. do it." It, it is. It is funny though because that is a that is a consistent trope in a lot of these high school movies as like the hot teacher or whatever and then you know at the end someone gets to sleep with male female whoever it is right um the, so okay the only way it can ever it, be in a comedy though is if the teacher is female yeah like that's how uh, that works i guess yeah sure yeah yeah. yeah, they can't that's, get that's fucked up gender politics. That, yeah, like that not to get further into it, I guess, but <laughs> that in and of itself is a problem. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, no, I just maybe a couple. I don't know. I I just I feel like it's dated now to be I, a joke uh, in any film, but yeah. because so many other comedies have done it, it kind of feels like I'm nitpicking to, you know, only really pull apart this one because of it. I think you made a good point in that like it pops so much more because the movie is so aggressively progressive in so many other ways. Yeah. And so to fall back on that hoary old trope yeah. feels a little strange, even though like the guy did repeat the seventh grade three times. Yeah. And they do make the joke that like, she's kind of a mess. Uh, ashamed of doing it okay, <laughs> you know like that's... she's sneaking around trying to find him the next day so i i guess that's a part of the joke but that feels like i'm just trying to explain away the fact that i felt gross about it <laughs> and yeah. you know just try to love the film entirely when it did have that one misstep in my mind yeah and it's not enough to hang the whole movie because no, you know no. but but it is it's one of those things where like I was like, you can't, like, you can't do this. Like, really, please don't do this. And then I was like, okay, it's happened. It's over. They're not going to do anything. And then she goes and purrs in the ear of a female student because they have long black hair as well. I kind of found that funny. And then I felt ashamed. <laughs> well, what's also weird <laughs> is that she, I, she does I that. But when that. he finally finds her, she then is like, oh, like, I, I, maybe like accidentally hitting on a different student has made her realize what she's done but she went from like being willing to purr in his ear to like being like i can't commit to anything more really quickly yeah and 
Um, oh shoot. What was I going to say? Um, I totally lost it. <laughs> I apologize. Did it have to do with uh, Jessica Williams purring people's ears? Yeah, I think it had to do with her character, <laughs> but now I've lost it completely. So apologies. It's okay. It happens okay. to all of us. Okay. I think, yes. yes, it definitely does. I think the, the one, uh, the, the one thing I, I think we should at least mention is this film has had, it's had an interesting conversation uh, around it in the sense that so it's it's Annapurna who put it out, and um, remember when there they are, used to are make you going to talk about movies? how it hasn't? <laughs> so I'm gonna t- I'm gonna I'm gonna mention a, a few different parts of it. So part of it was that uh, this weekend the Russo brothers uh, did a tweet about Avengers saying. Go see uh, Endgame for the fourth time or something. Go, which like, uh, okay. Um, and are you telling me that Wilde, two filmmakers want people to see their movie as many times as they can? I know. And then Olivia Wilde uh, responded that same that same uh, that same day, just a few hours later, and. Um, said go see Booksmart, which is obviously, but also, but said it that people should support women directors and then this isn't going to get made more. So like the weird back and forth in the critical community and like that I have at least seen, and I want to mention it to see if anybody has any thoughts about it, is that people think that this movie could have been a hundred million dollar movie. Um, it, with the proper marketing or something like that. And then the other side of that is that it doesn't, it doesn't have any leads that are known. Um, and it's also, you know, it's a Memorial day weekend, but it's going against Aladdin and, uh, you know, evil superhero movie. Um, and John wick three and John wick three. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm just wondering whether you guys had heard anything about this, had had seen anything, whether you had any thoughts in general about like, do you guys, whether you want to predict, do you guys generally think this will be a sleeper? Do you think there that we should still be talking about this in relation to support women directors, or is this part of uh, a safe, a self fulfilling prophecy a little bit? I. This is a complicated subject, but I just wondered if anybody had any thoughts about it. As a straight white male film critic, I don't feel safe having this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there is no right answer that I can give. Uh, Allison, would you like to go first? Sure. (laughs) I'm not exactly sure where to start with it. um, Because I've seen, I only saw bits and pieces of this discussion. Sometimes when... film Twitter implodes on itself. I kind of get lost <laughs> in what's going on. Not to like even use the term film Twitter. Sure. Like, like, on edge. But um, like, sometimes people say film Twitter and I just have that image from entourage with like the movie Queens Boulevard where he turns around. And he's like, I am Queens Boulevard. <laughs> it's just like, I am film Twitter. I, I guess I don't know how else to refer to the mess that I kind of sometimes log on to. And I'm like, what even could have happened? But in this regard, I think I saw some of the backlash t- 
going towards like Olivia Wilde's tweet. Yes. About, and that to me, I was like, really? Because she didn't, even if she had called out the Russo brothers or whatever for being like in, trying to get somebody to go see a film for the fourth time, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> but also, I think that it is, I do think she's getting targeted because she's a female director. Whether people know that's why they're targeting her or not, I don't know. But I think it's fine that she tweeted out something about going and supporting female directors because I think it's true. I think we aren't going to get more blockbuster comedy films directed by women with two women leads, one of who's, you know, a lesbian lead character. I just, I don't think that's something we're going to get. Or if we do, it will be one year and that one year will be made a really big deal out of and we'll think things have changed, but they haven't. So sure. I don't, I, I, I don't know exactly what point of the conversation <laughs> I'm really in. I just, I, I do think that some of the takes I've seen already against the film feel relatively gendered and, I don't think if this had been a film directed by a guy like Judd Apatow and it came out and he put out a tweet saying, go support this film. And that was it. <laughs> or go support this like mid-level, you know, Hollywood film against <laughs> other big blockbusters. I think people have been like, yeah, sure. Great. <laughs> because that's just what you do. You want to support original filmmaking, but because sure. she added the layer of like, it's a female directed film, people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa we're not saying anything about you being a woman <laughs> we're just going to see all these other films so i maybe lost I, my track there but i just get so frustrated when i see kind of this disproportionate amount of annoyance leveled at a female director for something that wouldn't have existed if a dude had said it i am um, I, I agree <laughs> i think that her her uh, god there's no good way for me to say this so i'm just gonna plow through i think her bringing her womanhood into it creates a sort of minefield <laughs> Um, because like you said, if, if Judd Aptow tweets out like, Hey everybody, ghosty super bad. Like that's a guy pimping his movie, but it sort of feels when you add a layer of identity to it and try to make it stand in for something else that you're weaponizing or utilizing that in a way and therefore people cannot respond to the basic idea that you're putting out there without also seeming to have been responding to the layer of identity that you put on it as well. Um, I, I think that what I just said made sense. The, now here's the thing I have been since Friday doing an immense amount of work outside. Um, I've been cutting down trees. I've been trimming back bushes. I've been bundling stuff with twine. I've been taking care of my daughter I have not been on Twitter in a while. It's been really nice. <laughs> so I didn't even know this was a thing. I know that I saw the Russo's like tweet of like, go see Avengers four cause air conditioning. And we want to give you those feels again or whatever. Just thought that was a random tweet. They sent out and people were like, Oh God, like you've already made a shit ton of money. Like stop it. Didn't realize that it was then tied up in an Olivia Wilde tweet about book smart. I, I have been so disconnected <laughs> That there was a point at which someone tweeted out, it was Jason Bailey, who I believe has been on the show before. It's wild how a woman directs an acclaimed mainstream comedy and suddenly film Twitter is very concerned with the integrity of production design. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I I responded to I'm him saying, curious. <laughs> I'm like, my response to him was something like, 
I'm torn between being happy I have no idea what you're talking about and desperately wanting to know what you're talking about. No one told me what he was talking about. I put it on our Patreon Slack and no one knew what he was talking about. I, I vaguely do. I forget who it was, so I'm not even going to try. But some I just saw a male critic being like... The directing's bad and it's some of the worst production design I've ever seen. <laughs> like, <is it>? What? <laughs> that seems... And I was like, what a bizarre wow. thing to complain about with a mainstream comedy. It's like you had to really reach there and find something to make you seem like you really knew shit. <laughs> so I don't, I don't even know how to respond to that. that. <laughs> yeah, no. And I mean, not to really get on the the point you said something about like weaponizing you know i think what that does it just it makes everybody and i say everybody and i do mean men (laughs) i think it makes them a little defensive because they just think they're being attacked you know it's like it's like you think she's not you in particular it's just from what i've seen no i think that you're totally calling me out right now and i feel attacked um I'm trying to be delicate, but I'm also getting all revved up about it. But I just, I do think people just get it defensive because they're like, oh, well, she's assuming I'm not going to see it because she's a woman, but really I'm not going to see it because of all these things and production design. But I just, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just like, as critics, should we be, you know, really dissecting films and looking at all the artistry, including production design. Yeah, sure. If you don't do that for any other film, but now you decide is when you're going to, that's when I'm like, okay, but <laughs> why don't you just be honest about why you really don't like it? Because See, I'll fu- still call it bullshit and at least you'll be honest. What's funny about that is like, I, I saw that. I mean, it was like, I talk about production design far too much. Like <laughs> whenever I think of the tree of life, one of the things that I think of is like the the metal glasses that they're using at the dinner table. <laughs> and I remember, I think I, I, I'm going to say that if you go back and listen to our podcast on that movie, you will hear me shout out Jack Fisk like 17 times <laughs> and talk about the specificity of every single piece of furniture and glassware that they have. But like, I don't find anything in this. So like I was watching this movie waiting for it like primed to see what people were talking about (laughs) and i did not i i like aside from my whole like this high school seems more like a private school than anything else like i don't really understand Mm -hmm. what this production design thing is i it's especially because every movie about high school like these kids have parties that were that always look like they were dressed by like a hollywood film studio like i'm as a high school student and as a college student been to so many parties and so many of them had lofty ideas about what they wanted to be. But you know, hanging a shit ton of black lights in your living room doesn't make you the set of Tron, but like all of these movies, it's always like, (laughs) well, you know, they've got a projector and they've got strobe lights and they've got some spotlights too, maybe. And uh, the sound can be heard perfectly everywhere. And you know, it's going to be the perfect amount of tables and there's not going to be any embarrassing family shit around. (laughs) and like i just accepted that that's how this works in movies like i see the 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 ads for euphoria on hbo all the time and i'm like god i'm just like these kids are having like a rave i will assume that it's like at josh's house and just be fine with it because i know that people want to see in these movies 
the kind of like art directed stylization that we all wish that we'd had growing up. You know, I'm not a fan of the fact that most of the parties I went to were in Heidi's like wood paneled lower tier of her parents split level house, you know, with Princess Mononoke <laughs> playing on a tube TV in the corner. Like that's that a depressing like a movie. That's awful. <laughs> no, but I mean, I agree though. Cause like, I do think the people who design the sets kind of don't remember or like are trying to forget what the actual parties were like. And usually they were grimy and gross and obviously inhabited by a lot of college students who didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, you know, if you're really looking for the sense of realism, I just want them to go back and look at Superbad and, you know, nitpick that production design too. Because none of it's realistic. Or very few films about high schoolers are realistic throughout the entire thing. And we sure. know that, you know, it's built into it. And that's why when films come around that are like hyper-realistic, like, and this isn't high school, it's middle school, but like eighth grade where you're like, oh, I feel all of that awkwardness. It's <laughs> yeah. really noteworthy, you know? It's almost like, no, this is too real. You've gone a step too far. But I think, I don't know. It's just, it's such a garbage complaint to me <laughs> because I do agree, you know, everybody has a technical aspect of a film that I feel like they kind of point out more in their reviews than others. You know, there's just always something that's going to catch your eye. Um more than anything else but i think the production design thing just seemed like somebody trying to find an issue with a film that they maybe felt middle the road about and they had to go off on it so yeah unlike me where if i bring up production design you know i'm just like nursing a pet thing that i always go for (laughs) no but it's kind of true because like i always talk about scores and like really on a technical level how much do i really know about it but i know i really like them (laughs) so if something if one of them really uh, you know appeals to me i'm going to talk about it a lot but it's not like if i hate one movie or i'm really middle of the road one movie my main complaint's gonna be like yeah and the score sucked (laughs) it doesn't matter i don't know but again i just saw that tweet and i was like what ever <laughs> well, that's, what's weird for me is that oftentimes maybe again because i have a nine to five and because i you know have a daughter and too many pets um just a reminder tweet at me names for a snake um that like <laughs> I, I often no bill bad <laughs> gonna cut you off uh what was i gonna say i often see the blowback <clears throat> to the bad take before yeah. i see the bad sure. take same. And then, so that's that's where I was at. So I was like watching this and I was like, is there going to be like a weird, like, is someone going to punch through a wall and we're going to see a gaffer in the background running away? Like, what's, <laughs> what are we talking about here? You know, uh-huh. and I just didn't see yeah. it. I was just like, I don't know. This is the same level of like heightened reality nonsense that every high school movie is. But again, the opposite, the other, the other idea that, for that is like, well, we got to show it how it really is. And it's like. I don't know, kids or eighth grade, or it's just going to be something from my life. And I'm going to be like, I lived through that. It wasn't good the first time. <laughs> like yeah. put more effort. Like, in. We don't go to the movies to see this. <laughs> right. Especially, like, but, and I, I do want to rewatch super bad because I'm just like in that mood now. Cause I'm like, ah, high school comedies. Also, you know, I think this is a story I've told before, but I accidentally took my 12 year old brother and his best friend to see super bad. Cause I thought it was, <laughs> Just going to be, yes. <laughs> I thought it was just going to be profanity that it was rated R for, uh, and we were not prepared. Um, but I feel like it, 
it had the same thing. Like, I know that the party they went to to steal the beer had the requisite griminess and shittiness. But I feel like the party they ended up at was the same kind of overdone, whatever you call it. As rich always. kids. Yeah. 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 These things always happen at the rich kids house, which is hilarious to me because the house that I used to party at was the kid whose mom went with like the guy she was dating for three weeks and just left him $200. <laughs> like that's where you party, you know, like, cause it's like, what are we? Oh shit. Like we just, uh, we shot Josh in the face with a pellet gun and he jumped through a window and it's like, Oh, it doesn't matter. Like the homeowner's insurance will cover that. We'll just say like a tree knocked it out. It's like, okay, great. It's like there's someone <laughs> shooting heroin on your bed. My bed? It's like, yeah, the third one on the right. Oh, no, that's the guest room. That's fine. <laughs> anyway. Brian, your parties. Mm. This is why he wanted more from this movie. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your life. My parties weren't so much about having fun as about chasing away the darkness. Okay, <laughs> take it again. <laughs> um, now, the other thing I wanted to say is this is a this is something that we kind of have to thread the needle on a lot more. I remember when I gave a bad review to Pacific Rim. I, I got hit with a lot of people who were like, shouldn't you just be happy that we're getting an original movie? Um, and I, I was like, wow, that's a weird thing that like I didn't realize that I was commenting on with this negative review of this underlit, boring movie. I, I apologize. Mm-hmm. And then I was, you know, it's it's like you append certain things that a movie stands for. And I remember when, uh, what was the movie? A Wrinkle in Time came out. And everyone was like, you know, woman of color director, woman of color lead. Like, you know, all this diversity and stuff. The movie's not great. And it had to always be couched in like, look, we're not saying this is a judgment against anyone or any group in particular and their ability to make a movie. We're just saying that this one isn't good. And also sure. the fact that to we be feel fair. afraid to say that it's not that good shows that we need more of them because it shouldn't be incumbent upon this movie to stand in as yeah. a judgment of quality for every single person who wants to make a movie like this who doesn't look like Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the the other part of that was also um, A Wrinkle in Time was coming out shortly after Black Panther, yes. which – you know, has gotten reactions that kind of vary from wow, this is outstanding to wow, this is outstanding for a comic book movie to wow, y'all are all just saying this because of diversity. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess that might play into a little bit of why I enjoyed seeing different races up on the screen for sure. But it's like, yeah. Like the whole nation didn't just collectively be like, oh, okay, we finally have a black superhero here. Two thumbs up. Like it was also a good movie. And so like there was just such a huge disconnect. And I think there was still a lot of like infighting because of that kind of in the culture. And then that uh, – uh, what what was the movie we were just talking about that started this? A um, wrinkle in time. A wrinkle in time. And then a wrinkle in time came out, and everybody was like, "Ooh, 
what how do how do we talk about this movie like black female director uh disney production again and then also black female lead that also has some positive imaging about like hair and uh all sorts of things and it's like ooh um yeah maybe maybe we're not ready for for having this kind of cultural discussion like out in the open yet still you know well, I think that Which it sad, also hurts that there are many bad actors, not not yeah, actors yeah, in films, yeah, bad uh, yeah. human beings out in the world who will yeah. base their opinion mm. off of that and try to couch it in something else. So I think that's I think that's my kind of my reaction to some of this book smart conversation about, you know, like no one is going to original content and things like that. And like, you know, throwing Annapurna under the bus or whatever. And I'm not saying that they did perfect with the marketing or anything, but also as you guys are just talking about, like it's it's so annoying that people have to say this is what determines as, as what Allison was saying earlier, whether we get one movie like this a year or, you know, five movies like this a year. Like, it, it's just uh, – it, it's so weird that we keep finding different permutations of the same conversation. And, and, and I'm not saying I disagree with Olivia Wilde's tweet whatsoever in invoking um, her being a female director. But it, it – again, it's just weird we're still – having to do this like well, it's you know, still enough that it matters if i hadn't liked this movie i would have called in sick <laughs> <laughs> i've got enough stuff in my life i don't need to deal with that yeah. i mean like, i love you know, y'all we, we've, okay. <laughs> we've <laughs> uh i was gonna say something else and now i can't remember how many people has that happened to on this Sorry. episode it's me and allison just me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm with you now. So. Well, I mean, I, I'm. I, I always have. Phone. To, so this is nothing new um, for me. What? What? Yeah, Michael. When you first brought this up, I thought you were going to talk sure. about like, what the hell did happen to Annapurna? Like, they uh, they're a, a production company they that is such... now trying to distribute, and it is not working. Sure. Like Beale Street, I believe was Annapurna. Or no, that was that Bleaker. No, that was. <sighs> Annapurna had like the worst fall ever. Well, they had Vice, right, which was terrible. We had we had feelings about Vice. Yeah, no, I, um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. I, I am admitted it was Annapurna. Beale Street was Annapurna. Okay, yeah, I am admittedly frustrated with some of these studios, and I don't want to have a larger conversation about Disney, but Disney and Disney, um. I don't know. I just, I, I just, I, I just think that I, I worry about only saying that studios are doing a bad job and getting out to audiences because I just don't think the current model uh, is working. You know, with with exceptions, with, with exceptions that are about familiarity, whether it's nostalgia or sequels or. Whatever. I, this is not an interesting take, <laughs> but that's my answer to what you're saying, Brian. <laughs> I don't know because I I was watched because I you know walk into this and I'm like this is an Annapurna film. Their last couple have not been great or have not been received as well as they used to. And um, because what it was a uh, Detroit, yes, Vice, Beale Street, something else, yeah. And then the other 
the other trailer that I saw for them was what happened, Bernadette? Or where did you go, Bernadette? Yes. That's the next Todd Haynes, surprisingly. That's shocking. Except for the fact that it involves Kate Blanchett. Um, mm. It was actually a thing that I realized with a lot of the trailers I saw before this movie. And since we're talking about the trailers that we saw before this movie, it's clear that we're about to wrap up this review. Yes. But, <laughs> um, but I just, like, a lot of those trailers, like, a minute and a half would go by. And then it would be like, okay, that's all the setup. Here's the movie. <laughs> And I was just Mm -hmm. in shock at how often that happened. The clearest narrative arc that was dispersed evenly over the course of a trailer was for some movie about a dog that loves a race car driver. Is that Art of Color in the Rain? Art of (laughs) Racing? uh, Oh, uh, The Art of Racing in the Rain. Yeah, my mom's read that. (laughs) Yeah, that was going to be my answer. (laughs) Moms are going to love that show. (laughs) I was... I walked in in the middle of that one and I was like, I thought that the dog was reincarnated and was owned by Dennis Quaid, not a race car driver and voiced by Kevin Costner. And I was like, oh, this is a completely different talking dog movie. I think I need to see that talking dog movie, by the way. Which one? The the, the reincarnation one. (laughs) But that's like, is that that's like a sequel to a different reincarnation dog movie, right? Yeah, but there yeah. was animal cruelty with the past one, so I'm not going to I thought that, that that had been edited and disproven. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I'm going <laughs> to write a 5,000-word essay about how those dog movies are like Christian movies for people who are not Christian. Because that is how every one of those trailers plays. It's like you got that movie about the kid who falls through the ice and he's going to die and it shows you the whole movie and everyone's talking about Jesus. And then you've got dogs love us so much they reincarnate and they're always here for you and they're going to help you find your right life and i'm just like oh so we've got god and dog fantastic well they are just uh uh what do you call that when it's just backwards when when the wording when the i know an angram is when you use the letters in one word to make a different word no but like literally god flipped his dog yeah but i don't know what the word for that is So I'm okay. pivoting. Anyway, uh, any final thoughts on Book Smart before we wrap up? What's that? Book Smart, huh? Remember when we were talking about Book Smart? No. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> we got lost in the weeds talking about, you know, representation in movies and how to handle criticism of the same or of movies, you know, that are made by people of underserved populations. And then we talked about dogs. Okay, great. So no one has any final thoughts on Booksmart. Um, it is out in theaters it's now. It's good. Again, it's good. Yeah, I think we're all firmly on the side of see it. Yeah. I actually like really mm-hmm. like this film. I just feel like <laughs> there was more things to nitpick than maybe I thought on first watch. It's um but comedies are hard sure. because you you yeah. see it and you're like I really like that, but the only way to really critically describe why you liked it is just to start telling the jokes <laughs> well yeah yes i i mean not to veer away when you're wrapping up i definitely did appreciate the female friendship aspect of this one too i do think it's kind of an underserved uh relationship and i think in high school to see that positive representation of female friends um being like the closest relationship and the most important relationship is important. And I know we just talked about how you shouldn't just go see something because it's important, but it's also a good film. So it's an added bonus. Um, But 
yeah, I just, I, I definitely think it's worth seeing. It's always good when your homework is also fun. <laughs> it's the required yes. reading list in high school. And you're like, well, these ones sucked, but I really enjoyed Catcher in the Rye. Now I'm going to go kill a beetle. Allison, you wrote, you wrote about this film for uh, Cherry Picks as well, right? I did. I did. And I wrote about how the female friendship was really important. <laughs> so I'm, you know, just drawing from what I've already written. Um, but yeah, I wrote about it for the Cherry Picks. Uh, and I just kind of delved deeper into the idea that, um, I don't know, I just, I feel like teenage girls are kind of taught not to trust other teenage girls girls or maybe that was just me i was always you know if a girl was mean i was told oh well that's just how girls are mm -hmm. and so to grow up with that kind of warped mentality i think it's really nice to see that flipped and to see that how and now as an adult i do you know my my friendships with my female friends are some of the closest and most reliable ones that i have and i just think to have that in your teenage years and to cherish it then is so important and i think I don't know. I just, I feel like we get more of a, like, you know, boyhood friend stories about how, like, you know, your best friends at this age are always going to be the most important people or whatever. So to see it kind of represented this way and to see a pattern of this kind of the last couple of years with films like Lady Bird and Edge of Seventeen, um, it's just a nice change of pace instead of being like, well, girls can just be bitchy and this is why you, <laughs> they're going to fight because of really petty things. And I think it's nice to be like, no, you know, maybe they fight, but it's based on real core friendship issues and not because the narrative needs to pull them apart. Um, there's a, there's a part of me that earnestly wonders sometimes if popular culture wants anyone to be friends with anyone. <laughs> yeah. Because like, you know, you were saying, you know, female friendships in movies are also are often very like, adversarial or just non-existent um male friendships are always like don't get too close or everyone's gonna think you're gay and you know that's no fun or your friends are great then you'll lose touch with them then you'll find out they got stabbed in a mcdonald's and so it's it's constantly just like this weird thing or of like, even you know girls and guys can't be friends because they just want to sleep with each other you know there's exactly. no like I, yeah i just i think it's weird to say that friendship's undervalued in pop culture, but I do think it is. And Legitimately, I think maybe it's why you realize, oh, go, go ahead, ahead, I cut you off. No, 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 please go. <laughs> I was just going to say that I think it's something that maybe that's why when you grow older, you kind of reflect and realize how important it was. And maybe that's why in storytelling, there's such a nostalgia about it, but because you didn't like appreciate it then. So, I don't know. I just, it was, it was one factor of a film that I really enjoyed. And it's weird. Cause I also found that that same thing when I first saw super bad. Cause like the whole movie is about these two guys trying to, to sleep with these two girls. But then at the end of the day, the people they end up sleeping next to are each other. And they like openly and honestly talk about how much they mean to one another and how much they love each other. And I was like, that's crazy. Cause men aren't allowed to be that open and emotional and like honest with each other. Um, and I, I bring it up a lot. I'm like, you know, there's a weird kind of thing in the Marvel films where like everyone thinks that Cap and Bucky like are secretly in love and are just like, let them be gay. And I'm like, this is why we don't have male friendships in movies because people are constantly <laughs> either worried that it's going to hmm. come off as gay or, or something like that. And so they're like, it's easier if all the guys just hit each other, right? Like, and they don't really care about each other unless one of them has just been shot. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 weird that we're just sitting here just being like, is it great when like a movie has a friendship? <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't be that movie. novel of an idea. <laughs> but you just I don't know. I feel like you need to see it more. I yeah. think it makes it real yeah. to life to see it more too. That's one of the things that makes New Green. Girl one of my favorite television shows, actually. Just yes. like how earnest and honest those friendships are. Yeah, and codependent. I love that show. Slightly yeah. codependent, yeah. I mean, like, I'm <laughs> get around that. But. Okay, awesome. So we've ended the podcast by talking about how great New Girl is. On Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I was one of the first people I knew who liked New Girl, so I still feel defensive about that. And every time I find someone else who likes it, I'm like, right? Okay, thank God. You, you watch yeah, it from, from the, the beginning? From the very beginning. Wow. I started like three episodes I watched the in. premiere. Yeah. Okay. I didn't see the premiere, but I caught up with it like three weeks into its first season, and I was like, "Shit, is this secretly Shame. great?" Shame. <laughs> oh, so good. It's good to find a kindred spirit. Anyway, that's <laughs> it for today. Uh, don't forget that we're brought to you by Mubi. Go to mubi.com/slash/filmstage for your free 30-day trial. Uh, again, there can takeovers going on right now, so you can watch Morris Peros, uh, Hari Kiri, and uh, what was the other one that we talked about? Kid with oh, a par- bike. Kid on a bike is or kid with a bike is great. Paranoid <laughs> Park, another film about teenagers. It's a good peg for this episode. Except in this movie, no one gets cut in half by a train. Um, That's what happened. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm not 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 yelling spoilers. I just always wondered what happened in that film, and now I know. Yeah, that's like the whole like yeah he's he's grappling with the guilt over uh, accidentally causing death of someone in a train yard. I was definitely going to watch that, Brian. Thanks That's for the plot spoiling. of the movie. <laughs> Clearly, we have to have a whole other hour-long conversation about what is a spoiler and should spoilers no, I'm, matter. I'm fucking with I'm you. I'm not bothered. Relax. Relax. Screw it. We're doing another hour. Um, let's. Uh, what am I? What was I going to say? Uh, Mubi.com/slash/filmstage. Go to patreon.com slash the film stage show to uh, give us your money. Uh, don't forget that if you become a patron, uh, you will get first crack at naming the snake that my daughter and I have now. Again, it is a corn snake. It is black and gray. Uh, I will try to get a picture and post it online. Um, Did your daughter am- say she wanted a snake? I thought your daughter can't speak. What are you talking about? <laughs> going to be three in a month. She can speak. <laughs> In fact, yeah, we we were walking around. <laughs> she made this choice. <laughs> we're walking around at the reptile show. She's looking at the lizards, but then she sees the snakes and she's like, <gasps> snakes, and like was hissing at them, which was really cute. And then I, I picked one I up and I was like, what about this one? And she like liked it. So I said, all right, great. I wanted a snake. You clearly want a snake. So I got the snake. And then I asked her what we should name it. And she responded, I'm not. I mean, you kind of have to go with what she says. Yeah. I said, I told her that I appreciated that she was trying to honor the snake's language, but we cannot name a snake. <laughs> you know? I don't know. That's kind of cute. <laughs> it's kind of adorable, but also it's not functional. Um, so, yes. Again, well, how help often me. do you call a snake by its name anyway? I don't know. Cassandra. It's not like you have to call it inside. It's just there. <laughs> yeah, it's just its tank. But Cassandra, my blue tongue skink, gets re- like referred to by her name a lot. So... Okay. But the great thing about naming a reptile is, like, five years from now, I could change it, and it would change nothing for that animal. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yes, uh, find me on Twitter or in the Slack channel. Uh, give me a name for this snake. Um, bonus points if it's from a movie or a novel that I like. 
that's it uh find us on twitter at film state show facebook the film state show uh next week we're going to be talking about anayara anna anayara and the the sci-fi one i don't know how to say it (laughs) that's why i punted to you what yeah google Aniara movie, and uh, it will autocorrect to whatever that movie actually is called. It's with Carrie Ann Moss, I believe. Maybe. I did not know that. Anyway, uh, so that's what we're talking about next week. Uh, Looking forward to that. In between now and then, uh, let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found online. Let's start with Allison Johnson. Um, You can find me online on Twitter, really, (laughs) at Allison AJ. All right. Bill Graham. Woo, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG, and you can also find me uh, trying to keep up with the Slack channel. It is it is getting furious in there. It's getting hard sometimes. Going to have to make a whole channel just for naming the stake. <laughs> you, you could find me on Twitter at, at Snydell. Um, I also just wrote a review of The Perfection, which a lot of Twitter seems to really like, and I didn't like so much. But I talked a little bit about spoiler culture, so it's related to this episode. (laughs) Only tangentially, purely at the last five minutes. Yes. Decent enough, though. Um, You can help me and my daughter name our snake at Brian J. Rowan on Twitter. Uh, Look for pictures of snake at Brian J. Rowan on Twitter and at Brian J. Rowan on Instagram. Of course, you can find my personal site, brianjeroen.com. And uh, you can find the every episode of this show and all of our writing and stuff over at thefilmstage.com. Join us next week when we will be talking about Aniara. Ladies and gentlemen, until then, thank you for joining us. Tune in next time. If you see me, if you see me.